written by Frankie Storm. Frankie Storm uh, is swinging by for a quick little chat about that. And we have a couple kind of snippets from some other Halloween-y sounding songs in honor of Halloween. So I want to thank you all for listening to Rochelle, Peter, Tommy, Tyler, Rami, Max, uh, Lynn, all the people out there, thank you so much for supporting the Original Doll Podcast. For those first-time listeners, my name is James Rodriguez Horton, and this is the Original Doll Podcast, where I talk directly to the people who created music by your favorite artist. We even talk about some deep cuts, some demos, so much more. So don't forget to follow me on Instagram, the.original.doll, and you can go ahead and add me on Patreon, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash the original doll Uh, make sure that you subscribe on your preferred platform once again this is called the original doll podcast and i am james rodriguez horton thank you all so much for listening we have a bunch of stuff coming up so just enjoy this and have a happy halloween Frankie, so let's talk a little bit about Created a Monster um, that was for the original doll, Britney Spears. Talk. That was originally for, that was originally for Britney Spears. You created a monster. It was so her. And I, um, it, with um, Rob Fusari, his label was called Monster. So there are monster stickers everywhere. So I go in the studio <laughs> and I see monster everywhere. So I'm like, okay, uh, sign. Gotta write a song called Monster. So that's what I did. I wrote a song called Monster. Um, it didn't get to Britney, sadly. So a couple of years went past and there was another track that Harvey Mason had done. And I was like, Monster would go nice on this. So I reworked it a little bit to fit that track. And then I um, put it on this new track along with, you know, James and, you know, the other writers who were there. That was, um, and Oak also produced on that too. So yeah, Monster. And nice. yeah, it has that scary Halloween-y feeling, you know, so.
Love it. Love it. Love it. And that was, was this before or during the time of Lace and Leather? It was before. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That was before Lace and Leather. Awesome. Frankie Storm is going to be coming back because we are going to be talking about more of her songs and a couple Britney songs that many people did not know were actually for Britney Spears. Uh, Frankie Storm has been great and continued to be a great guest on here, so have no fear. She's going to be coming back uh, in the next few weeks, and we deep dive into everything that she's done. Uh, It's really great. She's such a fun time. So go ahead and make sure you follow her and stream her music. Uh, Everything from Don't Stop the Music, Rihanna, to Anastasia, so many people, Jordan Sparks, Walking on Snow is an amazing track. Um, But now we're going to talk a little bit to... Casey Livingston, Cassia Livingston to some, who was a writer who first came on board who had a cut by Britney from the Circus album, Unusual You. And we also have her song, Scary. We talk about that and a few other songs. Let's talk about Scary. Femme Fatale. This was return to form. This was bringing Britney back with Max Martin complete and, and Dr. Luke. This was an intended pop album. So how did you get involved on Femme yeah. Fatale? Um, well, I, I feel like I've answered all of the questions like, yeah, when I my Scandinavia is showing, I think. But um, so, uh, I mean, I always, it's funny because in my mind, it's always sort of like a continuation of just like writing whatever you're inspired to write about. Sometimes Britney is the muse, sometimes other artists are the muse, but like you pitch it to a different artist and they want to record it. Even when you were like imagining or fantasizing about this other artist would would be recording it and that that doesn't pan out um but I did I felt kind of invincible after circus because it was crazy to me that these like really personal words had kind of cut through so many incredible records that she was being shown at the time and that that resonated with her so I think I was kind of flying high on this feeling where I could really just like I mean, I've always just written, you know, my emotion and sometimes I'm not even able to be intentional about it. It's either me like telling an emotional story or me just dreaming of the artist's voice and wanting to try to write something for that. But when I, so I got the opportunity to work with Fraser T. Smith, who is like an incredible, just amazing musician and producer and also just a lovely person. And so we... I think that was sort of the directive or the idea in mind. And I'm not sure if at that time I knew that he sort of had been given an opportunity to work on that project where they were already looking to him to um, submit some songs for that. A lot of those things are the kind of behind the scenes workings that not the songwriters aren't always privy to because there may be like the producer's manager trying to negotiate that. 
but his tracks to me felt very like Britney friendly. And so we wrote a song, he, we met together at Westlake Studios and he gave me, we talked for a bit, but I'm also shy. So I've kind of learned as we've I've talked about many times in the podcast before, as I'm talking for half an hour, then I say, I'm shy, by the way, I'm talking about myself for <laughs> when it comes to writing it's like you know getting into the muse or you know the zone um and so I think I ended up walking away with like some tracks in mind not all producers like to do that but I kind of am reassuring that that's my it makes it more I'm more able to kind of like do you know my best work if I can kind of be in my own headspace so I wrote one song that we then came back and demoed called break the circle and then had a couple which we recorded and played for Teresa Lavabera Whites who was fielding songs for Britney as she had been so instrumental in like the development of Britney and her her career and then we had a couple other sessions and worked in a couple different configurations another song um, was a contender, you know, and all of these were kind of like being played for Britney's camp. And I think I was writing them with the feeling that it might be possible that she would hear the songs and might record them because I had kind of learned from Circus that this thing that seemed impossible was like a, actually a possibility. Um, and they kept, they just kept telling us, you know, keep going, keep submitting, you know, what you've got. Other people, you know, Fraser's team was kind of listening to the songs and offering guidelines and, and uh, advice. And then um, ultimately he had to go back home to England. And so there was another couple tracks that I think he, I think he might've emailed me these tracks. And there was one that was called Hypnotize with an S because he's British. And I forgot, you know, until I sort of like started rethinking about this, that that was the title. Producers often title their tracks and they might be a number, they might be the artist's name, they might be something that they feel like the track is saying to them. And I think if you have really good chemistry with a producer, it's possible that sometimes that idea can factor into the track. Sometimes it doesn't at all. But I remembered like, oh yeah, there's like a line in Scary about hypnotherapy. So I think that might have, not intentionally, but it, you know, when you're venting out your lyric melody top line. And so I had written about half of it just like pacing around and like I think my daughter's nursery at the time. <laughs> just like during her nap time, kind of like crafting it in my head. And then I called him, I don't even know what time it was, but you know, we had like we emailed and agreed to have a phone call where I just sang him like the first part of Scary. <laughs> so I had that conversation with I yeah so I uh, sorry backtracking even from there so I um had written scary you know pacing around here to that hypnotized track and um and I think you can hear too like if you hear my inflection and in my mind I'm kind of being Michael Jackson or something and, and nobody's ever asked me about this probably because people don't 
know scary all that well. You have to really look to find it. But the pre-chorus of it is very inspired by like Michael Jackson. It's got a rhythmic thing that, which wasn't intentional, but, but as I listen to it now, it's like, oh, this feels like, you know, it was me trying to do my best Michael Jackson impression, which of course miserably failed. <laughs> but, but it's just inspired, you know, by his like amazing, like the rhythmic patterns and a lot of what he does. But so I um, called Fraser up and uh, sang it for him, like on the phone, like half of it. And he was like, that sounds great to me. And I was like, is he just being nice or, you know, he's such a nice person, such a like really gentle man. Um, and I remember too, in that conversation, cause he's British and often my sense of humor has been described as sort of like kind of British or, you know, maybe like there's a dryness to it. I don't, I don't know, not complimenting myself, but just my sensibilities. And so he was talking at the time about artists he was with and he mentioned like Adele who was still very much like kind of unknown or not to the extent that she is today but I knew who she was and I kind of sarcastically said oh Fraser it's too bad you can't work with any good artists I mean I was just being <laughs> totally facetious and sarcastic but I don't think that came through. And I'm not sure to this day if he, I'm, he never thinks about this and like remembers it, but I remember it because he's so lovely. And I was trying to show him like, wow, what a roster. And I, but I think that, you know, there are some people who are in the industry game. They try to kind of like keep the upper hand. It's not too many people, but it's a couple that they try to keep the upper hand by being really blunt about things or maybe they're just like awful <laughs> so they're blunt and they don't care about people's feelings but sometimes it's a little part of the manipulation where they want to make the other person feel like oh you should keep working with me because you're not doing anything special and I don't know if he knew me well enough at the time to know that I was being sarcastic but I've always felt kind of bad about that because I couldn't really like backtrack and like reassure him enough or maybe he had already like moved on to the next topic but I, I like to go in with a, the producer and record things so that well first of all because I have no idea how to run pro tools and I've like been very resistant to learn it even though so many other songwriters are as you know like facile with it as you know producers are themselves um but I just like producers will have to tell me like just hit the space bar if they're trying to go in the booth and like record some vocals and I'm like which one is the space bar so I, I didn't have that luxury because I finished writing like the verses and the you know the choruses while he was back home in England so I called up a wonderful producer friend of mine named JD Salbago who's also um an artist named he goes by the, the name Boy Reckless and he was signed to Art House at the time my same publisher and he had a studio at this really awesome little building called Plug and Play in Hollywood that's no longer there it's like was bulldozed and became something else and he is 
a wonderful writer and producer, you know, in his own right, but he also had an unbelievable mic chain, which, you know, for people that don't know what that is, it's like when you're singing, you know, in my case, I'm not an artist, so I'm just singing a demo in his vocal booth on the mic and you're listening in headphones, the effects and everything that the producer has put on the on what you're listening back in your headphones and the equipment, the combination of that makes you feel like you might be Christina Aguilera, even though in my case, I definitely am not. And so I will always opt to go places where the mic chain is very friendly to the infinite flaws in my voice and makes me, it kind of gives me more confidence, which enables you to actually sing better. It's like a really cool kind of um, circular kind of thing that happens. And so I'm trying to remember, I think we just recorded verses and choruses, and then maybe Fraser was going to create a bridge in the track that wasn't there. And so because JD was not a writer on the song and he was doing me a favor, letting me record, and I just sort of like paid him not enough, I'm sure, for his time, he did not do what's called comping the vocal of the demo, which means taking the best takes, fusing them together, manipulating things so it all sounds smooth and cohesive. He sent all the stems, which is just all the files of all of my takes of the song, which I don't know how many. Oh, yeah. And sent them to Fraser. And this other really crazy thing happened where I decided kind of on the spot to create that intro, the ah, 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 that kind of ah thing. And of course, Fraser did a infinitely more elaborate version of it on the record, but this was just like a template of it. And there was another producer there who had just written a song himself that had a very similar intro. And then he ended up playing it for us as a producer named Fuego. And after like he was there, I think for part of that recording session or maybe just after listening to what we had recorded. And then he was like, check this out. And it was like a very similar intro that he had created. So I felt a little bit like, oh, should we alter it? I know I hadn't like heard, you know, what he had done. Um, yeah. So anyway, we sent it to Fraser and I don't know how far he got with comping it because he also had a couple of other songs that were, amazing i mean many songs he's done like set fire to the rain with adele and he's just an unbelievable producer and musician but they had selected two other songs of his i guess for britney to record like that she had approved and or her team thought she should hear and record and he had a recording day with her and I didn't know, this is stuff that I think I didn't know. And then I just randomly got a call from him and it turned out that she came to the studio and heard or reheard those songs. I don't know what they were and decided not to record them at that time. Um, and I've always wondered what they were. Um, in my mind, they're always like infinitely better songs than things that I've written. And so, and so she just decided though that you know they just weren't maybe she, maybe their songs she went on later to record and he had I guess a rough version of the scary demo that he played for her and he told me she really liked the lines of hypnotherapy and Jekyll and Hyde and she decided to record it then you're taking over my mind scary yeah I 
think I need some hypnotherapy, yeah. So it was like, quick, quick, you know, get the lyric. and all, But I didn't, I think she started recording before I could even do that. So I don't think the first or the second verse, first two lines are totally correct. But I don't remember what I wrote. And I can't ask JD for them because that, why should he have to look through endless of, you know, his own files to find it? And chances Because you have fans that are curious. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think they're correct, but I'm not totally sure. And as you know, I don't enunciate, so it's like anyone's guess. Um, yeah. And so there was no bridge at the time. And you know, he went right from having that rough version because he just played this vocal and she decided to record it. So I always like to go back and listen to demos occasionally to like remind myself of the fun that we had in the studio. Well, and what I love though is it's like seeing that progress. Like when you're a painter, you kind of see where, it, whether you sketch it out or something, you kind of see where it goes. And I think a lot of times is, and I think you've mentioned this in like the, the first episode, uh, where we talked about unusual you, where it's like, sometimes you can just kind of go back to something and go, oh, wow. Like you can appreciate it later on. Like in hindsight, you can go, I feel good. Like at that moment, you're just stressed out and dealing with everything. So I didn't know, clearly, I didn't know this. How awesome is that? That, I mean, not for, for Mr. Smith, is that like, you just, eh, I'm not feeling those two songs. But then he's like, hey, I have a rabbit in a hat. What what do you think? What do you think about that? And the fact that she did it and the the certain lyrics kind of, you know, inspired her because so then she added the the couple lines in the bridge then or what like what part was cuz I know when I talked to Maya Marie before she's like sometimes, you know, you don't put too much pressure on trying to fit something cuz you can let the artists themselves to kind of add their own lyrics or you leave it open so that they can kind of have fun and play with it. Yeah, like, or you leave it open because you imagine it might be a rap feature or sometimes you want to just like evaluate it after the verses and the choruses to feel, you know, it's like a little bit of a different era now and going back several years where instead of maybe having like a proper bridge, you might have, you know, you might have the rap feature, not that that's not a proper bridge, but like instead of having like the lead vocalist or artist on it, that could be a feature moment or, you know, because EDM has created like additional sections. Well, even before EDM really became such a like prime part of pop music, um, with pop, you were seeing like choruses and post choruses, you know, tags to the chorus. And it created an additional section to the song that sometimes really eliminated the need for a bridge. Or sometimes if you had a bridge, it was like more sections than, you know, the song might lose focus or lose impact. So, and with EDM, you've got instrumental sections because the DJ is usually the main artist in, in a lot of EDM songs, or they might be an equal player to like say let's say the vocalist that's on there if the dj is not the vocalist and so they're the instrumental is kind of like their part of the duet and so bridges just don't always necessarily get written in the moment when you're writing with a producer and doing top line to track and so i think i was thinking that we would like sort it out later if he liked what he heard so far i just wasn't 
I don't know. I think I just didn't necessarily have a concrete idea that I was determined to push forward. And so I don't actually know whether she just happened to hear that, like so scary that she sings um, or like if she sang it as an ad lib or if he said, do you hear anything on the bridge? Or I'm not actually sure. The singer's so very, I want you so bad, it's scary. Baby, I want you so bad, it scares me. So scary, so scary, so scary. Since I wasn't there in, in the studio, like how that came together. But then her camp rightfully reached out to us for a small piece of publishing. So it wasn't one of those situations where they were like, give us publishing or we're not putting the song out or I'm this person, I need publishing on this, even if they didn't write it. Like she definitely did come up with that part and was very entitled to, to ask for that. And so they, she has a, a piece of the publishing, but we weren't sitting there and writing it together. That would have been fun if, if we could have done that. <laughs> In my upcoming episode with Anthony Preston, music producer, who worked extensively with Britney Spears on the Britney Jean project, we talk about that. We talk about how involved, you know, somebody of Britney Spears's, you know, top-tier performance level, top-tier recording artist, top-tier selling artist. We talk about that. Um, how involved are artists when, you know, they're putting together an album? And in many times with songwriters and producers on here, all of them have said when Britney Spears received writing credit, she actually was involved. Some of them said, you know, Britney came up with this idea to have the song about, you know, this happened to this person or walking in and there was another woman there, that sort of thing. Well, those songwriters are like, well, without that, we wouldn't have created the song. So that was Britney Spears getting songwriting credit. A lot of people have talked about the melody changes that she herself has done, and they give people uh, writing credit for that. So that's something to keep in mind. Here's me. So scary. Hey. Head on over to the podcast for the next episode, the next part of this, in which I deep dive into Scary with Maya Marie, and we talk with... Casey Livingston about some Britney Spears demos. Uh, some of them are clips you might have heard with some expanded exclusive content, so be sure to look out for that. Enjoy. This is James Rodriguez, and this is the Original Doll Podcast. <laughs> the original.